So Father, we want to thank you for another privilege, another opportunity to come before your presence. We welcome the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We thank you for how you kept us all through this day. We receive the refreshing that comes from your presence. Thank you for your word. We receive it with joy and with thanksgiving. And we thank you, Father God, because we know that we have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Good evening. So this is day number four, actually the fifth installment of this message on the mind of Christ. We began on Sunday morning by talking about how Jesus gave us a brand new mind. We dealt with that on Sunday and Monday. We came back on Tuesday night and addressed the fact that negative thoughts are not our thoughts. And last night, we taught on the fact that the mind of Christ is the mind of perfect love. Now, there are so many questions that arose from last night. And I'm trusting that God will help us on Sunday morning when we begin to take questions and answer them to, uh, to answer some of these questions. But suffice it to say that the mind of perfect love, as we defined love last night, basically love is patient and love is kind. Yes. All right. And then as a result of being kind and patient, we saw certain things that love does, and we saw certain things that love do not do. All of this based according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. So tonight, I want to journey on and address the fact that the mind of Christ is the mind of peace. The mind of Christ is the mind of peace. So let's go back to our theme scripture. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. I keep on reading this verse because I just wanted to uh, begin to uh, saturate our mind because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Amen. So the more we hear it, the more we receive the seed. That seed is watered each time we hear it until it becomes formed in us, until it becomes second nature to us. Amen. Amen? So here, here we go in the Amplified Classic Translation. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. Can we say that together, please? Can we say we have the mind of Christ? We, we have, have the mind of Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. And, and really, the more you say this, the more it becomes real to you. And the more you're going to start thinking from that framework, from that premise, having the mind of Christ. The fact that we know that we have the mind of Christ. So we, but we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. So one definition of the mind of Christ is holding the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. In other words, in every situation, in every circumstance, in where, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, whatever faces you, whatever you're confronted with, rather than approaching that situation from your natural mindset from the way you normally naturally think what the Holy Spirit has done for us in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is giving us the exact same mind that Jesus has so the idea here is you and I now have been equipped to look at life to look at situations to look at things through the same frame mind that Jesus used when he was here on the earth through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this on your own. I, I cannot say that enough. None of us can think it enough, pray it enough to do it on our own. The only way we get to live like this is through the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Amen? Amen. So now, tonight in order to gain uh, a deeper understanding of this same scripture, I want to read this same verse now in the Passion Translation. So we can get another insight as to the meaning of the mind of Christ. The same scripture, but from a different translation. Now, I want to really encourage you, whenever you're studying or reading, uh, for me, for instance, I got born again, the KJV, the King James Version, was a standard gold, was, was a gold standard of scriptures. <laughs> so most of the scriptures I memorized was in the King James. But over time, God has given uh, much more light and revelation, and now so now, in this day and time, we have several other translations that can help us get further, better understanding to what we're studying. So now, look at the same verse that we've been reading now from a Passion translation. For who has ever intimately known the, Lord, the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. Okay? So now we, we get an insight. Jesus knows the mind of the Father. Hello, are you guys here? <laughs> Christ has. And not only does Jesus have it, because he told us that in the Gospels, he said, whatever he does is what he sees, is what I do. John 5, 19, Jesus made that very clear. He said, I can of my own self do nothing. He made that also very clear to us. So we see that everything Jesus did was motivated by what his father will have done or what his father is doing. So now, back to this verse, he said, for who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. He answers that question. Jesus does. But not only does Jesus does, he now goes on to say, and we possess Christ's perceptions. Now, this is slightly different from Amplified. Amplified says the mind of Christ is holding the thoughts the feelings, and the purposes of God's heart. Correct. The passion transition now tells us that the mind of Christ is possessing Christ's perceptions. Amen? So that's, that's a different way of saying the same thing we've been saying. So now the question is, what does it mean to possess the perceptions of Christ? What does that mean? Well, first of all, let's define out what perception. Perception means a belief or opinion about something. I, I know you've heard the term when it says perception is reality. You know, what people perceive is the reality they take away from the situation. Perception means a belief or opinion about something. In other words, the way we see or view a particular event or person. Your perception of something is the way that you think about it. And that's taken from the Cambridge English Dictionary and the Collins English Dictionary. So perception really is a belief or opinion about something that you have. The way we see or view a particular event or person. Our perception... For instance, how we see success, how we see failure, how we see physical death, how we see friendships, love, and the world around us is just a matter of perception. Perception is a personal opinion or a point of view about any particular matter. So now, coming back to the scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.16, in the Passion Translation, we are told that the truth about me and you is that, in fact, we possess Christ's perceptions. We see things through his eyes. You hold his thoughts, his feelings, and, purpose, and his purposes toward yourself, toward others, and toward the situations that you face in life. That's your true identity concerning your thoughts and your mind. 
Now, let, 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 me, let me just say that again. That's a, that's a mouthful. What the scripture is telling us is, you and I have been equipped to see things the way Jesus sees it. Whether it's about you, about those around you, or about the situation or circumstance that you and I find ourselves in. We have the equipment to see, with, to see things or to perceive the situation the way Jesus does, no matter what that situation is. Again, I mentioned this earlier. Um, it's just like these phone devices. Every, time, every now and then, you're going to get an, an instruction or a, a notice for an upgrade, for a software upgrade. Do you all get it? Yes. Good. Now, when you get that notification, you have a choice. You can ignore it and keep on using it the way it was. And after a period of time, you're going to find out that your device will not operate at maximum performance any longer. Because you refused to upgrade the software. Now, the software was sent to you. The choice is yours to install it or to upgrade it. Similarly for me and you, when Jesus died and was buried and raised from the dead, he became the first among many brethren in the new creation. And me and you have become his brothers and sisters in the new creation. And as a result of that, he gave us everything he had. Or shall I say even he has. He gave that to us. Now, you and I can choose, like in the case of this device, to continue to operate the way we've been operating in the natural. Because that's been our natural default for so long. Now, the fact that it made, you, made us new creation does not mean we forget what we used to do. Listen, I used to go to nightclubs. I still know how to get there. The place has not moved. And if it moved, I can find out the, the new location. I know how to buy the alcohol. It's not changed. I know how we used to dance and have party. Everything we did in those days, I still remember those things. It's a matter of choice. If I want to continue to participate in that, or I want to continue to live in the new creation that God has given me. The choice is mine. So it's the exact same thing with what God has done for us. He's saying to us that we possess Christ's perceptions. So whenever any situation arises, I can choose to go through my self-life and see that situation with my self-life, mm -hmm. or I can defer to see the situation through the Christ perception. Amen. And the Bible is telling me and you that when we choose to see things through Christ's perception, that's when we have life, peace, joy, and all the things we're all looking for. Amen. There is no way you and I can attain to the kind of life we want no, let me say that again. Let me repeat that. We cannot attain to the kind of life God has for us. That's right. Living through the self-life that is doomed to death. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? So by saying to us that we have Christ's perceptions, I want you and I to really fully understand what that means. So now, in the um, Passion Translation of this verse, this same verse that we're looking at, it has a footnote on it on the BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com, in this particular verse, there's a footnote. And that footnote is on the screen for you now. Let me read it to you. To just help us further understand and gain insight to what God is saying to us. This is a footnote to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, in the Passion Translation. You will only find this footnote in the BibleGateway.com. So please don't go and buy Passion Translation from Lifeway Bookstore and you look and say, ah, don't say the footnote. I'm, I'll give you the sauce. <laughs> you only find it in the BibleGateway.com. Okay, this is the footnote. That is, we believers possess the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's number one. You, you, you need to reckon with that. In other words, everything we've been talking about since Sunday, if you don't actively and intimately know the Holy Spirit in you, you're still going to struggle. Amen. 
Because Jesus made it clear that everything post-resurrection, everything after the resurrection that comes to the believer comes through the agency and administration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the administrator of the new covenant. Amen. Yes. That is, we believers possess the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Look at this job. Who reveals the thoughts and purposes of Christ. I cannot emphasize this enough. It's not my job or your job to know the thoughts and purposes of Christ. But it's the job of the Holy Spirit to manifest and reveal that to us. Okay? So that is we believers possess the Holy Spirit who reveals the thoughts and purposes of Christ. Now, the revelation of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached was not understood by the intellect of man, but by those who welcomed his truth. Humanly speaking, no one can understand the mysteries of God without the Holy Spirit. That's why I said to you guys on Sunday, I may have repeated it again maybe sometime during a week, you're wasting your time using scriptures to minister to an unbeliever. Now, I'm not saying there are, no, there are no circumstances where it works, but I'm just telling you, taking seven scriptures, uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, listen, those things are good, but they have to be spiritually discerned. The unbeliever needs to hear stories, testimonies, Things he can relate to at this level. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why Jesus came from heaven to our level. Amen. To build a bridge to bring us in. The son of God became the son of man. So the son of man can become the son of God. Amen. So if we're going to minister to an unbeliever, we need to become, that's what Paul says, uh, to the barbarians, I'm a barbarian. To the Greek, I'm a Greek. You need to find out where they are. I mean, talk to them in their language and then bring them in to where they need to be. Amen? So now, last sentence there. So those who have the Holy Spirit now possess the perceptions of what happened? Of Christ. Okay, 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 okay. Possess the perceptions of Christ's mind and can implement his purposes on the earth. Amen? Amen? So all of that is the footnote to that scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.16 in the Passion Translation. So now when we own that we have the mind of Christ, we have his perceptions about everything. Everywhere we go, we will see the world through his view and opinion. So if the mind of Jesus is our true identity, that means we possess Christ's belief or opinion about everything. Think about that. That's, 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 that's a bunch. That's a whole lot. When we fully, truly identify ourselves and we own the mind of Jesus as our true identity, that means we possess Christ's belief or opinion about everything. Since we possess Christ's perceptions, we see, we see people through our father's eyes. His opinion of you and others is your opinion. Did you hear that? God's opinion of who you are and others around you should become your opinion. Okay, let, let me say that again. <laughs> God's opinion about you and about others around us should also become our opinion of me or you and others. Why? Because we possess the same mind. When we own our true identity, when it comes to our minds and thoughts, we invite him to change the way we see everything completely. Completely. Now, let me go to three quick points before we go. Three quick points. Number one, 
The fact that the mind of Christ is a mind at peace with yourself. The mind of Christ is a mind at peace with yourself. We can go to John chapter 14, verse 27 in the New Living Translation. John 14, 27. Amen. The mind of Christ is a mind at peace with yourself. John 14, 27. NLT. Let me see if I can bring it up here. John fourteen twenty seven. In New King James, this is what it says. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So in the NLT, it says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Amen. Christmas just went by last month. Many of you went to the stores, the Macy's, dealers, and bought all kinds of gifts. But you didn't buy this one. Amen. Because money can't buy it. This gift it left us. You cannot find it in Macy's, no dealers, Costco. I don't care where you go. They don't have it. Only Jesus can give this gift. And he's telling us, I gave it to you already. I gave it to you already. If you've not updated your software, you may not be able to find it. All right. That's good. <laughs> but he's giving it to you. If you, if you don't have it, if you've you not found it, you need to update. Yeah. Update. How do you update? You must understand that you already have the mind of Christ. You update by asking the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to see. Help me to see the thoughts, the feelings, and the purposes of God's heart in this matter. I've said this and I'm saying this. All the promises of God to me and you are yes. And amen. The yes belongs to him because he's done it. But the amen belongs to us. You have to amen it to get the yes. If you are not amen it, the yes will still elude you. His role is to deliver it. Yes. And he did. My role and your role is to accept it by saying amen. Amen means so be it. So be it. So be it. Amen? So he left us a gift. Gift of peace. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, this, this is the amazing thing. Things happen with us. Or any number of things. And unfortunately, if we don't have our mind renewed, we're looking at the world for the solution. And it's telling you already, they can't give it. The world cannot give it. The world cannot be my and your first responder in any situation. But unfortunately, that's where we, first, we go first. Because we are so familiar. We've lived many years in that space. And so when anything happens, that's the first thing we reach for. And he said, no, don't reach for that. Reach for me. Reach for me. Yeah. Amen? Okay, let's move on. Peace means a state free of oppressive and unpleasant thoughts and emotions. The absence of mental stress or anxiety. Now, so peace does not mean there will not be trouble. Let, let me make that clear. Peace does not mean uh, things will not go wrong. No, that's not what peace means. Peace means when things are going wrong, you're not in anxiety. Peace means when things are not working, you are not in a state of oppression. Peace means a state free of oppressive and unpleasant thoughts and emotions. The absence of mental stress or anxiety. I will never forget this. Um, I took a trip a long time ago with this man of God. Um, oh, man, what's this guy's name now? That guy that went to heaven and came back from, um, 
River of Life Church. Uh, his name escapes me right now. No. A Caucasian brother. So he came to preach in the church where I was. I was a young and upcoming evangelist, and I got so excited. I said, man, you need, you need to go with me to Nigeria. The guy said, okay, no problem. That was the hardest trip I've ever taken in my life. Every segment of the trip we were attacked. Things happened. Flat tires on the road to, from just to Bauchi in the middle of the night. All kinds of crazy things. Ah, this guy's name. I, I hope I remember by Sunday so I can bring it to you guys. But the amazing thing was this. We're in a group of about seven or eight. I'm the leader of the group. And no, no matter what was happening, this guy was calm, peaceful, not moved. Now, this is a white man that's never been to Africa before. Nothing that happened on the trip moved him at all. I'm fretting, I'm in anxiety, and I'm worrying. Oh my God, this guy, what's going to happen to him? Blah, 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 blah. He just was just calm, peaceful, not moved. And every now and then say, it's just the devil. That's all. That's, that's as much as he said. Not moved. Now, I'm saying that to say, peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace, rather, is the presence of God in the midst of the trouble. Hallelujah. This guy was so sure about God. None of the things that happened moved him. Not at all. I've not had another trip like that since. I mean, I don't want to go into stories because of time. The kind of stories, you know... Uh, but anyway, let me just leave it right alone. So peace, let me, let me define that again, and then I need to move on. Peace means a state free of oppressive and unpleasant thoughts and emotions. The absence of mental stress or anxiety, okay? Now, you possess Christ's perception of you. You have your father's view and opinion about yourself. Let me just take us through a couple of examples. Uh, look at 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. New King James Revelation, please. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. You need to be assured that your father's thoughts concerning you is good. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what's happening with you, God's thoughts over you are good. The Bible says, he sings over you with joy. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me read it. This, the context here is David David um, was inviting the son of Jonathan to come to, to come to the palace. Wow, I'm hearing voices. What's what? <laughs> he was inviting Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, to come to the table. And this boy, when he got to David, in Second Samuel chapter nine, verse eight, the Bible says, "Then he bowed himself." And said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Mephibosheth's view of who he is was as a dead dog. Do you guys, do you guys understand yeah. that context? Yeah. This man saw himself as a dead dog. That was his view of himself. Why? I said this two nights ago. Because he's believed a lie about who God is, and he believed a lie about himself. So what I'm saying to you tonight is, the mind of Christ is a mind of perfect peace, in which case, you see yourself the way God sees you. You are not seeing yourself as a dead dog, no matter what's happening with you. You are not a dead dog. God says you are perfect. He says you are complete. He says you are beloved. He says you are accepted. 
He said, you are righteous. He says, you are holy. And those perception of what God said about you is what you must receive and embrace. Amen? Amen. Another example. Another example will be, ah, this one is good. Numbers 13, verse 33. These are familiar stories. Numbers 13, 33. Numbers 13, verse 33. This is when the Israelites went to spy the land. God promised them the land. God brought them out in order to take them in. They went to spy the land. They saw the land and they came back with this report. This is what they said. Numbers 13, verse 33. There we saw giants. The descendants of Enoch came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Do you see that? You get faced with certain situations in life that if you're not careful, it causes you to doubt who you are. They believed a lie concerning themselves. God brought them out to take them in. And yet they saw the place they were going and they saw some giants in the line. And rather than believe God, they re-identified themselves and said, we are like grasshoppers. That's a lie. They believed a lie about God and they believed a lie about themselves. We've got to be careful. I see most of us here are of uh, African descent, African-Americans, African-Africans, or whatever you call yourself. You go to a job interview, and you just, you just, you just assume because the guy that's interviewing is the Caucasian, oh, he's not going to give me that job. You already disqualified yourself. Amen. Not because anything has happened, but because you have a mindset that says because you are black, you will not be favored. Who said that to you? You believe, you believe a lie about God and about yourself. But God wants you to know that the mind of Christ possessing Jesus' perceptions is a mind of peace. Amen? Amen? Last one I want to show you before I move on is Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. This is a story that we are very familiar with in verse 18, Luke 15, 18. I'm not going to read all of it because of time. Luke 15, 18 through 24. You know, remember the story of the so-called prodigal son? I don't really call him prodigal son, but I won't get into that tonight. But that's why I said so-called prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 18 through 24. This boy went out, squandered his father's resources while he was lavishing away in a foreign country where he was. The Bible said he remembered how that in his father's house, even the servants had plenty to eat. And then he said, I will arise and go to my father. Then he began to say something that is totally foreign. He said, I will tell you, my father, listen, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Therefore, I am no longer worthy to become your son. Make me one of your hard servants. Hello? Who told him that he was no longer a son? Whose view, from whose lens was he seeing himself? Because the father's view concerning him had never changed. As far as the father was concerned, he was his son when he left the house. He was his son when he was messing up in abroad. And when he came back home, he was still his son. His identity from God's perception never changed. But he thought his behavior and his lifestyle would change his father's opinion. And that is a lie. That's right. Yeah. When we possess the perceptions of Christ, we see things the way Jesus sees them. And Jesus' view of you never changes on the basis of your behavior. Never changes. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Is the, love, is the world loving Jesus? No. But it doesn't change. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change him. He's love. He can't stop loving because that's who he is. Amen? Amen? So I'm saying that to you to say, no matter where you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you've done, 
you must settle this once and for all. That as a child of God, you have the mind of Christ, which means you hold the thoughts, feelings, and purpose of his heart. And then, of course, you have these perceptions. And first thing you must settle, because if you don't settle this with you, you will not settle it with others. Oh, you don't hear me. If you don't settle this with you, you will not know how to settle it with others. In other words, if you don't receive God's perception about you, when you see your neighbor, your friend, your father, your mother, your husband, your wife, do things, you will tend to label them on the basis of what they're doing, not recognizing that Christ's perceptions do not change. That's why the first person you need to address is you. Once you get you right, then you'll be able to get the people around you right. Amen? Amen. So, the mind of Christ is the mind of peace. And um, the first person that we need to address there is ourselves. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Please give it up to me in the Passion Translation if your machine is working now. <laughs> Romans 5, 1. Woo, thank you for turning that air off. My God. Oh, is it here? Okay, Some, they turned something off. So, the Passion Translation, please. I'm, sitting, I'm up here sweating like a Christmas goat. <laughs> Romans 5 1. <laughs> oh, boy. I know many of you here have not seen a Christmas goat. Go to Vietnam or Hanoi. You go to the uh, John McCain Hilton. You, see, you, you understand what I'm talking about. But anyway. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Did you hear that? No matter what's happening with you, look at what God said. He's declared you. Now, by making that declaration, it's not saying you are flawless, but no matter what I see, I'm making that declaration. You're flawless. Right. It's not talking about what you're doing experientially, the fact that you make mistakes and do things and do crazy things and mess up. No, no, no. He said, no matter what I'm saying, I have made a choice to declare you flawless. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Man, I don't know about you guys, man. I went to high school, in boarding school away from home. And I remember those final exams. We write those exams, and you bring home this report card sealed in the sealed envelope. <laughs> man, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it on my father's desk and run away. And I'm counting the days. When is he going to open it? Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it next week? Because if something is in that grade that he does not like, you're finished. Your entire holiday is ruined. So the point I'm making is, my performance in school determines the enjoyment I get at home. Or the punishment I receive. If a small is there, over there, his father, usually what, what, what will happen is, because me and my sister, man, we, we messed up big time. Many, many, many holidays were ruined. My father sees the report, he sends us a small father. We spent the entire holiday there because it's what I say, schoolmaster, and he deals with us very well. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Three essays in the morning, half a book full of maths to do. I mean, it was rigorous to reform me. <laughs> I'm not sure how successful that effort was. But <laughs> But, but seriously, so, 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 so what's happened to us in the natural is we think that's the way God deals. Okay. I have to perform to gain favor. I have to perform to get blessed. I have to perform to attain God's pleasure. God said he's already pleased with you. Amen. His pleasure has nothing to do with your behavior. Now, does that mean we should not behave well? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because if you get the, because when you possess the mind of Christ, you want to do the right things. Amen. You want to bless him. You want to please him. You want to live right. The mind of Christ helps you to live in a way that pleases the Father. Absolutely. Okay? So, 
Through what Jesus has done, you and I get to enjoy true and lasting peace of mind when we see ourselves through our Father's eyes. He sees us as righteous and flawless in Christ. Okay, very quickly. Number two, the mind of Christ is a mind at peace about others. In other words, everything I've said about how the mind of Christ is peace to me, the same thing is now transferred to other people. You possess Christ's perceptions of others. You have your father's view and opinion of them. There's a scripture in Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. I'm not going to read it, but read it on your own. It makes it clear that God loves all of us. He made us one in value, one in his love. He doesn't love me more than he loves the one who has rejected him. Now, can we really understand that? Can we fathom that? Can you really fully come to grip tonight with the fact that God loves me and you as believers? But he does not love us any more than he loves the unbelievers. Woo! That is deep. That is really deep. Because in human relations, yeah. we have a tendency to love the one that loves us. Yeah. And don't love those that don't love us. We just don't. But God help us. So God is saying to me and you, don't judge or criticize your brothers and sisters just because they don't look like you or because they don't do things the way you do that, you do those things. Because Christ's perception of everyone is the same. And if that's the case, you and I now should look at other people the way God looks at them. Amen? Now, let me, let me follow to number three because the time is gone now. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Last one. The mind of Christ is a mind at peace in every negative circumstance. So three things I'm addressing tonight. Number one, the mind of Christ is at peace with you and me as individuals. Secondly, the mind of Christ is at peace with others. And lastly now, the mind of Christ is a mind at peace in every negative circumstance. I already told us that peace does not mean the absence of trouble. It just means the presence of God in the trouble. So, when I walk in the mind of Christ, I possess Christ's perceptions about every situation in my life. I have the Father's view and opinion about that situation, whether it's negative or positive. When we own the mind of Christ, we begin to see from Christ's perspective we see our circumstances through Christ's eyes and we enjoy true and lasting peace. John 16, 33. John 16, 33 in the Amplified Translation. The mind of Christ is a mind at peace in every negative circumstance. John 16, 33. Amplified, thank you. I have told you these things. So that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. My goodness. I almost remember the name of that guy that went with me on that trip. He came and he just. <laughs> the, the reason is, is what I just read. Because in all the troubles went, he had perfect peace and confidence. Confidence. I'm thinking, man, Bauchi, 2 o'clock in the morning, the middle of the road, bro broken down car. I'm thinking of all the things that can happen to us on that road. The guy, he, he didn't give a hoot. He was just as comfortable and as confident that we're going to get to where we're going. Amen? In a world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. That's a fact. Notice how you don't do anything to get frustration. You don't do anything to have tribulation. It just comes. That's part of life. However, the fact that it comes does not mean he has to take you under. You don't have to be oppressed by them. You don't have to be in anxiety through them. That's what Jesus is telling us. Okay? 
It says, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain and undaunted. Why? For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. My goodness. This is God's promise. Now, when you read that passage, John 16, 33, and you read the beginning of it, he was just preparing his disciples for the coming of the Holy Spirit. So he was preparing them for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and that preparation led up to this verse. In other words, I have taken care of it before it happens. I'm telling you what will happen in advance so that when it happens, be at peace. Take courage. It will not take you under why I've overcome it. And I've given you the Holy Spirit to help you in and through it. Amen? Amen. So troubles will come. But it's giving you something to, 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 to give you and I the victory in that situation. So Christ's perception of every trial you go through in this life is seen very clearly in this verse. It's giving you and I the, his perception so that we might be we may have perfect peace and confidence. Now, a couple of examples. The disciples were afraid in the middle of the storm. Why? They didn't have Jesus Christ's perception on the matter. This is in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, 30. Give me Mark chapter 4, verses 38 through, through 40. Mark 4, 38 through 40 in the Passion Translation. Thank you. Jesus was in the boat. They ran into a storm. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in his turn, resting on a cushion. How could he be doing this? <laughs> Next verse. So they shook him awake. Bro, are you sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> they shook him awake saying, teacher. Don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted in the sea, Hush! Calm down. All at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. Amen. Now, why was he so calm and the disciples were not? He saw what his father was doing. His perception. He had his father's perception. He knew. He had his father's perception. My wife and I were on a flight. Domestic flight from Lagos to Jaws. The airplane hit turbulence like I have never seen before. Normally, in this turbulent, the, the, the pilot would announce, fasten your seatbelt, we're going to have turbulence. These jokers didn't make jack announcement. <laughs> I didn't know if the pilot was alive or dead in the cockpit. <laughs> the thing was just shaking up the she was asleep. And every, no, this is, this is a true story. Every passenger, Jesus, I repent the blood of Jesus. I mean, all through the aircraft, everybody was calling on their God. Amen. I'm not joking. I mean, that. now, my problem was my knowledge of airplanes. So I'm looking at the airplane we're flying in. I know the plane under good circumstance was already compromised. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I understand the kind of maintenance on those planes. I mean, those guys barely maintain the plane. So, mm -hmm. so, so all, the, all my head knowledge mm -hmm. was, was mitigating against me believing God. Oh. Everybody was shouting. And do you know that this joker, this pilot, never made, he didn't say hello, how you doing? Nothing. <laughs> I'm talking for, on a one-hour flight, we went through that thing for about 50 minutes. Finally, I woke up. I said, hey, you asleep? <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Oh, my gosh. So I remember, so, so look at the description now. They were in a storm in the middle of the sea. Jesus was in the storm. He was just sleeping. What does it mean to him? He's the prince of peace in the middle of the boat. If the prince of peace is in the middle of the boat, Amen. it can only be good. 
So they woke him up and said, man, are you, you sleeping? Man, don't you care that we perish? Oh, really? Hush, be calm. Mm. And everything was calm. What's the point? The point is, you and I have Christ's perception. When you get into situations where things are tough, things are happening, circumstances, you are in a jam, uh, situation for distress, tribulation, trial, whatever that thing is, before you employ your natural self-knowledge, ask the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, help me make sense of this situation. Papa, what are you doing here? How am I supposed to respond? Don't just fret. Because fretting will amount to nothing but death. And when I say that, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about death in your person, your spirit. Get discouraged, you get depressed, you get an anxiety. And, and you notice the depression and the anxiety cannot fix the problem. It doesn't fix the problem. So find out what, what's God doing. How am I supposed to respond? Because the assurance that you have from what God is doing will put a calm on that situation. Amen. You have an assurance. Paul was in the middle of his ship on the way to Malta. They ran into bad weather. Everybody on the boat Again, in agitation, in anxiety, in distress. So much so they want to start jumping off ship to escape. And Paul said, listen, God has told me no one will be lost. Mm. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. Yes. These storms may rage. Yes. The fire may be burning. Uh -huh. But one word from God yeah. will bring calm to the situation. Yes. Paul said to them, don't fret. Don't worry. But some of those guys won't listen. They jump ship. Amen? So what I'm saying to you tonight is stop jumping ship. Amen. We have the mind of Christ. We hold his thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. And from what we saw in the Passion Translation tonight, not only do we hold his thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart, we also have his perception. Get an upgrade Amen. from your self-life to the spirit life. Let the Holy Spirit give you an upgrade. Father, how shall I respond in this? Don't, don't, our, our problem is, we just quickly go to the, what we know. And Jesus is trying to tell us what you know at best is limited. Yeah. Limited. So let him Guide us. Accept what he says about you, no matter where you find yourself. Whether you're short, tall, big, or small, it doesn't matter. Jesus says he loves you. He said you are perfect. He said you are flawless. He said you are accepted in the beloved. He said you are holy. Accept that. Don't allow what you see and the things you think you do not, or not doing right to change who he says you are. But just as importantly, accept the people around you the way God accepts them. Amen. That's very, very important. We must see people through the eyes of God. That's the only way we can love them the way God wants them loved. Amen? Amen. And your circumstance cannot overcome you if you allow Christ's perception to take control of the situation. Let's just rest with our feet. Let's just do one strong song of worship and just thank God for the incredible provision He's made for us. Ah. He knows that's my song. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha! 
this world gives but like you died for and gave to us father we we receive that grace tonight we receive the enablement to have your perception as ours and we thank you for it father we worship you we give you glory praise and honor it all belongs unto you Thank you for this journey that you're taking us on, Father. Father, we thank you that we truly begin to function and act as you have designed and you have created us. That we truly have the mind of our Father. We have the mind of Christ. We give you the glory. The praise and the honor belongs unto you as we worship with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us give tonight. Let's um, prepare a little something. Let's, we have the offering basket. And we'll share the grace. And as we go, we're going to do that song again. 
and let the song resonate with you. Ruminate on it. That we have the grace. The grace is already prepared for us. It's already available for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus.